Yep. Well, good morning, church family. Welcome on this uh, beautiful, sunny, smoky day. <laughs> hey, it's good to be with you. Let's uh, let's stand together. If you're out in the parking lot, still having some conversation, let's uh, make your way in. A call to worship to one another, and uh, I want to read a psalm to you guys. <clears throat> um, just to uh, to kind of kick us off in worship to prepare our hearts, and it comes out of Psalm 95. Psalm 95 says this. It says, O come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to him with psalms. For the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods, in whose hand are the depths of the earth. The peaks of the mountains are also his. The sea is his, for he who made it. And his hands formed the dry land. Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord God, our maker. For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Today, if you would hear his voice, 
Do not harden your hearts. A call to one another, you guys. Let's come. Let us sing. Let us rejoice knowing that God is good. He is deserving of our praises. If you haven't grabbed a sheet, there is a song, lyric sheets on the way in. We invite you to sing with me. So let's join. Let's pray. And uh, let's begin. Lord, we thank you for your precious word. We praise you on high. Lord, you have uh, given us breath and being today that we may come to honor you with our lips, to hear from you through your word. Lord, we hail you as our, our king. We come to lift you up in praise and honor. Lord, despite the worries of the week, despite what's going on in the world, Lord, we pause for a moment to give thanks. Lord, to be joyous in your presence, knowing that you are the father of lights, the giver of gifts, our salvation, that you are truth. And Lord, we honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. Friends, I need your help this week. This is uh, one of our, our special weeks that we do. It's one of our hymn Sundays. And um, so please, uh, as you see, I'm the Lone Ranger up here. But you um, have a, an instrument. You have your vocals. Let's join together in unison as we lift our king. All hail. Oh, hail the power of Jesus' name. Let angels prostrate fall. Bring forth the royal diadem and crown him Lord of all. Bring forth the royal diadem and crown him Lord of all. Ye chosen, ye chosen seed of Israel's race, ye ransom from the fall. Hail him who saves you by his grace and crown him Lord of all. Hail him who saves you by his grace and crown him Lord of all. Let every kindred, let every kindred, every tribe on this terrestrial ball to him all majesty ascribe and crown him lord of all to him all majesty ascribe and crown him lord of all just your voices verse one all hail the power of Jesus' name, let angels prostrate fall. Bring forth the royal diadem and crown him Lord of all. Bring forth the royal diadem and crown him Lord of all. Oh, your voices are beautiful this morning. This next song, you guys, was pretty unfamiliar to me this past week. But if you know it, please uh, lift your voices 
Um, the more vo vocals we have, the more comfortable the person next to you feels comfortable singing. Um, sometimes when we're singing alone, we're like, man, that sounds bad. But it's a beautiful sound to the Lord, you guys. Let's uh, lift our voices in adoration. To God be the glory. To God be You got it? You got it? Let's try it one more time. Let's try it one more time. Because I don't got it. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Sorry, you guys. Sorry, Lord. Grace, grace, grace. To God be the glory. Great things he hath done. So loved he the world that he gave us his son. Who yielded his life and atonement for sin and opened the life gate that all may go in. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the earth hear his voice. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the people rejoice. Oh, come to the Father through Jesus the Son and give him the glory, great things he have done. You guys got it, church. Oh, perfect. Oh, perfect redemption, the purchase of blood to every believer, the promise of God, the vilest offender who truly believes that moment from Jesus a pardon received. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the earth hear his voice. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the people rejoice. Come to the Father through Jesus the Son and give him the glory, great things he hath done. This last verse together, church. Great things, great things he had taught us, great things he has done, and great our rejoicing through Jesus the Son. But pure and higher and greater will be our wonder, our transport, when Jesus we see. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the earth hear his voice. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the people rejoice. Oh, come to the Father, Jesus the Son, and give him the glory. Great things he... One more time. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let the people voice. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. The people rejoice. Oh, come to the Father. Son. And give him the glory, things he hath done.
Lord, we honor you, for indeed you have redeemed us. We love you, Jesus. We sing this next song together, church. Tis so sweet. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus, just to take him at his word, just to rest upon his promise, just to know the saith the Lord. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him, how I prove him more and more. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust him more. Oh, how sweet, oh, how sweet to trust in Jesus, just to trust his cleansing blood, just in simple faith to plunge me. Neath the healing, cleansing flood. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him, how I proved him more and more. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust him more. Yes, his sweet. Yes, tis sweet to trust in Jesus, just from sin and self to cease, just from Jesus simply taking life and rest and joy and peace. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him, how I proved him more and more. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust him more. This last verse together, friends. I'm so glad I learned to trust thee, precious Jesus, Savior, friend. And I know that thou art with me, will be with me to the end. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him, how I proved him more and more. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust him. One more time. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust him more. How great thou art. Oh, Lord, my God, when I in awesome wonder consider all the works thy hands have made, I see the stars, I hear the rolling thunder, thy power throughout 
the universe display and sings then sings my soul my savior god to thee how great thou art how great thou art then sings my soul my savior god to thee how great thou art how great thou art when through the woods and forest glades i wander and hear the birds sing sweetly in the trees when i look from lofty mountain grandeur and hear the brook and feel the gentle breeze all together friends then sings my soul my savior god to thee how great thou art how great thou art then sings my soul my savior god to thee how great thou art how great thou art and when i think and when i think that God, his son, not sparing, sent him to die. I scarce can take it in. That on the cross, my burden gladly bearing, he bled and died to take away my sin then sings my soul my savior god to thee how great thou art how great thou art then sings my soul my savior god to thee and christ shall come with shout of acclamation what joy shall fill my heart then shall i bow in humble adoration and there proclaim my god how great thou art all together then sings my soul my savior god to thee how great thou art how great thou art 
Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee. How great thou art, how great thou art, how great, how great thou art, how great thou art. Lord, we honor you. We praise you with our lips. We open our hearts, Lord, to, to hear from you that you would put truth in our hearts, Lord, that we would walk in truth and walk in your spirit. Lord, we honor you. We love you, Lord. We bring you glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Brad. Thank you, Lord, huh? Amen. Let's give God a big round of applause for being awesome. Uh, Welcome to Sierra Bible Church. If I haven't met you, my name is Jesse, and I'm part of a great team here at Sierra Bible Church and some awesome pastors and elders and deacons. We're going to talk about Uh, that here in just a little bit, but it is uh, really good to see all of you here gathering together. I don't know if you know this or not, but man, there is is a battle, a spiritual battle that is raging against the kingdom of God, and the good news is, is we know that the kingdom of God wins no matter what. Amen? Um, So it's just, I'm just so blessed that you guys are here, uh, that we are gathering together, and each uh, week, it's good to see some of you finally crawl uh, out from behind the the computer screen. I know there still are several of you who are watching online, uh, and we love you, and we're thankful for you. Uh, we're blessed that you're still tuning in, and you're finding hope for whatever reason uh, that you're still at home. Uh, we understand that you are there, and that is okay. We're just glad that you're uh, still learning and growing and putting your hope in the Lord. If you are new, uh, out back, we now have bulletins. Um, we haven't been making a big deal out of them, but inside of those bulletins is a Connect card gives you an opportunity to tell us about yourself and let us know uh, that you're here and that you're making our church your family. And it also allows you to get signed up for our newsletter, uh, which tells you everything that's happening every week that comes out every week. So want to encourage you uh, to sign up for that. And of course, the boxes are now in the back. So if you want to give in person, you can. And of course, if you want to do online on your phone or your computer or what have you, you're more than welcome uh, to do that as well. And then out back, by the, uh, the right behind that little kind of makeshift um, uh, info booth that we have back there, you'll find Laurel Homer, and she is actually doing some signups for the 40 Days of Life that's happening in Reno uh, between September 25th and November 3rd. And so there are some abortion clinics uh, out there, and, and she's got some sign-up if you want to uh, actually show up and peacefully just pray over uh, those gals who are going into those uh, institutions and for those young children that may uh, their life may be taken from them uh, we're not protesting we're not making a big deal we're not confronting people we're simply praying and so Laurel wants to facilitate that uh, because we do believe in life in the womb we believe in children I, I I honestly believe one of the reasons that our culture is just struggling is because of the degradation degradation of and Brad Beers mentioned it a few weeks ago of the family. And that does not mean that we do not love single people. That does not mean we don't love college people. That does not mean that you are less than if you are not married. It doesn't mean those things. But what it does mean is God's hope is built within uh, the family in a way that we must emphasize as important. 
Our culture has said that the family does not matter, marriage does not matter, children do not matter, and we would just say, yes, they do to all of that. We want good marriages. We want awesome kids who love the Lord. We want to see the family unit held together. We've got a bunch of kids over here, and this isn't uh, to, to rag on any of the families over here, but we've got a bunch of kids over here that we're praying with, we're loving on, and we're working through. They've shot holes in, in our windows with BB guns. They've raided the bus. They have been really, to be honest with you, nothing uh, but a hard time. And I can tell you that, that those kids, they need love, and they need a, a father who stands in the home and who cares for their kids and loves them in a way that, that reflects the gospel. So we want to stand for life. want to encourage you to sign up and pray uh, for that. And then uh, we also have a great program here, a women's program, a mentoring program called Titus II. Uh, and Tracy has been running this. And so I'm going to ask Tracy to come on up with all of her ladies. Give these beautiful ladies a round of applause. And, um, and she wants to share with you an opportunity for some of you gals uh, that possibly want to get signed up and, and mentoring. And so she's going to just share with you what's going on with that program. Thanks, Jesse. No problem. Uh, so my name is Tracy Cuneo, and last year we had, these are a few of, we had 26 women from four different groups, and these represent all the different groups. Um, and we, I, we were so isolated even before COVID. I just saw, I was sitting at the back of the church one time, and the Lord showed me all these women separate and isolated. And, and then he gave me a vision of everybody locked arm in arm. And uh, so the, hence this program started, um, and he put it together. So there are, it's really about building deep relationships and walking closer to Jesus. Um, the problem with mentoring is that when you mention mentoring to a woman, and every single one of these women would agree, right, that there are this fear. <laughs> and there are three fears. One is, I don't want anybody to know my stuff. They won't like me. <laughs> and the second one is, no one would want to mentor me. And the third one is, I don't have any more time. So uh, we meet monthly, and there are women who are in Bible studies, community groups, nod your heads, homeschool, work full time. We all do, not all of that, but some of it, and we still have time. Um, and then you'll learn that the battles that we all have are very similar. So you don't have anything that's really that unique. And we have trained 26 women that are willing, mo many are willing to mentor one-on-one -on -one or mentor group. So this program trains you to be mentors. So now we have a lot of people who are willing to mentor you. Um, we go over eight topics. Each group individually chooses eight topics that are for that group, like thought life, um, prayer, intimacy with God, marriage, parenting, whatever that group needs. And then um, we memorize a scripture a week, a scripture a month to put into our heart. So that's just very, there's a lot more to it, but um, I want you to hear each woman very briefly what they loved about last year. Okay, two words, two words, very personal and extremely powerful. I'm going to say no excuses. Like, don't let the fear or the lies of the enemy tell you that you shouldn't be mentored or that you shouldn't be a mentee. <laughs> Going deeper with God and with women. Accountability in the reading. Building relationships with others you might not otherwise get to know. 
I would say an intimacy with the Lord that I've um, never known before and an accountability with some women who will become like family to you. I would definitely say a better relationship with Jesus for me and um, a true acceptance. Transparency and love. Uh, deeper relationships with women that I might not otherwise know. Okay, so to sign up, uh, there's a sign up in the um, info booth, the new info booth, and then online, when you look at the Monday emails that come out from SBC, there's a Google link if you have Google, and you can sign up there, or call me or Pam. Thank you. Um, so, yeah, if this is, so, so if you wonder, uh, you know, how does discipleship happen, this is one way, uh, and our ladies in the church have actually always uh, been very strong on their Bible studies. Uh, my wife teaches a study, Rebecca Schroeder teaches a study, uh, and uh, Laura Osnes teaches a study, and in response to that, we also have some other community groups, and we've got two other guys uh, coming up here really soon. They're going to be teaching some men's studies. Uh, one of them is John Drawlinger, uh, which you saw up here last week. He's going to be starting uh, a program, uh, a Bible study that's correlating along with uh, our, our next study, which will be in Timothy after uh, Exodus. And then Zach Osnes is going to be starting a study too. Zach, you want to stand up just so people can see you? Uh, we'll be launching that here pretty soon. But if you're looking to get plugged in as a guy, uh, make sure you connect with Zach. And I have one last thing I want to do. I mentioned briefly last week we've had some leadership change. Uh, and I just want to honor Jamie Brimer, who has served for well over 20 years as one of our deacons and our main deacons. Jamie, why don't you come on up here? And show everyone how, how uh, Tom Selleck alike you look. Here's Tom Selleck, ladies and gentlemen. Here he is. It's good to have you with us. Autographs will be down there later. Yep. Well, this is my last chance to have you up here and just rail on you there. <laughs> now, Jamie has been a huge encouragement to our church. He has served, uh, and his family is still part of our church. I know someone had asked that as Jamie uh, going anywhere, is he leaving? Did he leave the church? He didn't. He just, he has served, how many years has it been now, total? It's been about 21 years. Tw well, I took two years off from 10 to 12, regrouped, and came back on the board. So he's been serving quite a while. A lot of you know his wife, uh, Tammy. She's been serving for a long time. And he has really been a backbone uh, to our church leadership and just a, a solid, consistent person to look to for help and assistance. He loves our community. He's ran for uh, town council several different times and just because he loves the area he loves the people one of the things I know he doesn't want a whole lot of attention but one of the things that Jamie has has done over the years is whenever he sees graffiti he's been doing this way before all of the graffiti that you see now he would go and find that spot and cover it up and paint over it just to make sure that our community continue to be a beautiful place and so yeah give him a round of applause and then Jamie we got a, a gift for you man and I just want to pray for you and let you know we love you and you want to say anything to anybody this capacity for a number of years and with God's guidance I feel we've done a lot of good work and helped a lot of people but I just wanted to thank the current deacon team because it's been a, just an honor to work with them if you guys could stand up Greg Andy Amy Laurel all of, all of Jeremy there. Ryan Benty Ryan Benty oh. Thank you very much. It's been just an honor to serve with you guys and a pleasure. And uh, look forward to helping it, it, you out in the future on something you may need. Yeah, let's pray. 
for Jamie. Lord, we thank you so much for the Brimer family, the entire crew, all of the girls who are, are married, and Shannon, who's in Texas serving you. Lord, we're just thankful that they have built a heritage that is passed on to their kids and their husbands and now their grandkids. And we just say, Lord, thank you for the example of healthy families that love Jesus, love the gospel, and serve you. I pray for more years of blessing upon them, that you guide them and direct them in every step along the way, and that you continue to use them mightily, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Amber Louise. Thank you very much. Appreciate you. Appreciate yeah. Handshake? Yeah. Hug. <laughs> All right. We don't shake, but we hug. Okay. Um, turn to Exodus chapter 33. I'm going to cover Exodus chapter 33 and 34. Obviously, we've continued on this journey over the last several months in Exodus, uh, and we will continue to do so for just a few more weeks, uh, and then we will start in, um, as I mentioned earlier, the, uh, the book of First Timothy, in part because um, there's a couple things. One is, one is I think it's important that, that you as a church know what does a healthy church and a healthy church community look like, uh, especially in the midst that we're in now, and another one is we recognize, and I know this is a source of tension for people in our community right now, we recognize there are many people who are moving from the Bay Area to Truckee, California, and there are a group of people in Truckee that are very anti-Bay Area people. Uh, uh, if you're on social media at all, you'll see that there is quite an outcry of go home Bay Area uh, and all of that. And so um, I've been praying through that and asking the Lord, okay, how would you have the church respond to that change. Uh, and I believe that our job is not to categorize people, put them in a box, but simply to say, you know what, if, if you're from another area and you come to Truckee, California, and you want to know who God is, and you want to know what the gospel is all about, and you want to hear what we would hope to be sound biblical teaching, we want you here. Uh, and so I just want to extend a welcome to those of you who are new in the area. And I would pray that we as a church uh, would extend a welcome as well, because uh, whether you know this or not, people from the Bay Area or wherever they're coming from are made in the image of God, just as you are made in the image of God. And so we should treat them as if uh, they are made in that image of the Lord. And so uh, we'll be doing that in, in, uh, in Timothy soon. And so if you remember last week, we kind of uh, talked about this idea of what is it like to be in a relationship with Jesus, a relationship with God, or for uh, the Hebrew people to finally be reintroduced after all of this time in exile and slavery to Yahweh. Uh, the, the God who, who was distant because of sin has now reintroduced himself to his people. He has created the, he has had Moses create or, or given him the directions at least to create the tabernacle amongst his people. He's inviting his people into the very intimate space of his own home. In, in, in fact, God is invading the space of the Hebrew people. He has brought them out of slavery. He has provided manna from heaven. They have quail. They have enough meat. They have enough food. They've plundered the gold from the Egyptians so they're even able to make this temple. God has just been so gracious and magnificent to his people. And you would think on the heels of this that the people would be filled with gratitude, thanksgiving, praise, worship, adoration uh, towards Yahweh. But instead, Moses goes to the top of the mountain. The people believe he is delaying in that stay. And so they ask Aaron, who's supposed to be leading the people spiritually while Moses is gone, they say to Aaron, you need to make something for us to worship. 
We don't know where God is. We don't know where Moses is. We need something to worship. Give me something to worship. And so Aaron takes a tool and he uses a tool. See, after you have come down from the mountain and you have spent all of this time with God and you come down and you see the people that you have helped lead out of slavery and they have turned their back on Yahweh and are worshiping this dumb, mute, deaf, golden calf. Moses throws the tablets of the Ten Commandments down on the ground, and he goes to Aaron, and he says, what have you done, and what does Aaron say? Well, you know it's the people. It's not me. I just threw the gold in the fire, and poof, out came a golden calf, right? He, he blame shifts, just as Adam did in the Garden of Eden. I think all of us at some point in time in our faith have had these moments where we have turned our back on God, we have rejected him, we have we have uh, substituted him with things that are not God. And I think this season is revealing within the church, this is a season that's revealing within our own hearts, where is God in your life? Has he been, truly has God been your source of comfort and affection and peace in this particular tumultuous season? What other things have you turned to? What has been your golden calf? That was kind of last week's message. Now, in chapter 33, after this all happens, this is God's response. And so if you would, I want to encourage you as we read these pieces of Scripture to honor God's Word. If you would stand with me this morning as we read this and honor the Word, uh, we will dive into the message this morning. God's response to this great sin. And if you look at the words in chapter 32, verse 30, you'll see, you have sinned a great sin. Verse 1, chapter 33, Then the Lord said to Moses, Depart from here, you and the people whom you have brought up out of the land of Egypt, to the land of which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, saying, To your offspring I will give it. I'll send an angel before you. I'll drive out the Canaanites. I'll drive out the Amorites, the Hittites, the Prezites, the Hevites, and the Jebusites. You go ahead and go up to the land flowing with milk and honey, but I I will not go up among you lest I consume you on the way, for you are a stiff-necked people. When the people heard this disastrous word, they mourned. No one put on his ornaments, for the Lord had said to Moses, say to the people, say to the people of Israel, you are stiff-necked people. If for a single moment I should go among you, I would consume you. So now take off your ornaments that I may, may know what, you, what to do with you. Therefore, the people of Israel stripped themselves of their ornaments from Mount Horeb onward. Now Moses used to take the tent and pitch it outside of the camp, far off from the camp. This is before the, 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 the altar was made, the, the Holy of Holies was made, the temple, if you will. And he called this the tent of meeting. And everyone who sought the Lord would go to the tent of meeting which was outside of the camp. Whenever Moses went out of the tent, all the people would rise up. Each would stand at his tent door, watch Moses until he'd gone out into the tent. And when Moses entered the tent, a pillar of cloud would descend and stand at the entrance of the tent. This is to show God's presence coming down to his people every time Moses went into this tent. The Lord would speak to Moses. And when all the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, all the people would rise up, worship at each tent. And thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. This is key. When Moses turned again to the camp, his assistant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man would not depart from the tent. Moses said to the Lord, 
Listen to the heart of this leader, the heart of this man on behalf of his people. See, you say to me, bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name and that I have found favor in your sight. Now, therefore, if I have found favor in your sight, please show me your ways that I may know you. In order to find favor in your sight, consider, too, that this nation is your people. And he said, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. And he said to him, if your presence will not go with me, do not bring me up from here. For how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not your going with us that makes us distinct, I and your people, from every other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, this very thing I have spoken I will do, for you have found favor in my sight and I well know you by name. And Moses said, please show me your glory. Lord, I ask that you would fall down amongst us as you did in the desert. The pillar of cloud, your power, your presence, your beauty, that you would fall before us here and that we would respond appropriately in worship under the teaching of your word and the singing of your glorious good news. Be with us now, Lord, and the church said in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. The title of the message this morning, the tag for this morning is, We Are Desperate for God's Presence. This has been kind of an ongoing theme. I've probably mentioned it multiple times, and we're going to just hone in uh, this morning because chapter 33 really is about God's presence. It's about God being with us. Let me ask you a question. Do you really want what you think you want. Like if I said you could have anything in the world, you could have any job that you want, you could have any amount of money that you want, you could have any car that you want, you could have any kind of TV that you want. What is it that you really want? Do you want prestige? Do you want attention? Do you want focus? What is it that you want? Do you just want the virus to go away? Do you want just a whole new political system? Do you want to, do you want out of the area? Do you want out of California? Do you want to move to Idaho? Do you want to go to Oregon? That's happening. Do you want to go to Montana? Do you just want out? Do you, Maybe you don't even want to be an American anymore. You're just going to go to Canada. Maybe, what is it that you want? Do you really want it? Because here's what God says. God says, okay, listen, I've I brought you out of the land of Egypt. I've done this for you because I love you and I care for you. I'm trying to make you my people. In fact, God's in this, this, this uh, kind of situation right now where he's brought the people out of Egypt. Now he's trying to get Egypt out of the people. He's trying to get the false gods and the junk that is from the world, the taintedness that is of the world, out of the people. Now, here's the reality that if you're a Christian, if, depending on where you're at in your faith, depending on what you do at home in your faith, depending on, uh, on your approach to your Christianity and your relationship with Jesus Christ. Right now, the way that we've designed our services, if you will, our, our gatherings, I like the word gathering better than service because we're not here to entertain you. We're here to gather under the great name of God. The way that we have it right now, we've got about an hour with you, which leaves you with a whole lot of other time in the rest of the week to get distracted with all of the nuance and the political talk that's in the world. Yeah? I mean, I, I, I know how people typically respond within the political arena, and I don't want to get too political, but you've got, you've got right now, unfortunately, you've, you've really got two options in mainstream media. You've got your Fox people, and you've got your CNN people. CNN people don't like Fox people. Fox people don't really like CNN people. 
And so we're, we, we become a divided nation, not because of the gospel, not because of, uh, but it's just different political ideologies that separate us. So just so you know, that's Satan's plan to distract you and get you divided over all these issues so that you're not focused on the one thing that we need, really, really need to focus on, which is the forgiveness of sins that we all are desperate for, okay? So what is it you really want? So this is what God says. This is what he's saying in this chapter. It's, it's quite amazing. It's, it's actually shocking. He says, okay, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to give you your promised land. Yeah. That place of milk and honey. I'm going to give you your wealth. I'm going to give you your comfort. In fact, I'm going to drive out your enemies. You're not going to be divided. I'm going uh, to defeat your enemies for you. I'm going to drive out the Jebusites. I'm going to get rid of all of those parasites that are around you. I'm going to get rid of them. You're not going to have to deal with them. I'll drive them out before you. But here's the kicker. You don't get me. Come on. I I need you to feel the weight of this. I'll remove COVID-19. I'll get rid of the president if that's what you want. I'll put someone new in power. I'll get rid of the division. I'll get rid of the racism. I'll give you wealth. I'll give you comfort. I'll give you all the entertainment that you want. You can have Netflix. You can have the Disney Channel. You can have Hulu. You can have uh, whatever else is out there. You can have all of it. You can have the computer you want. You can have the car. You can have everything you want, but my presence will not be with you. I won't be there. Would you be content content to have all of those things that I just mentioned in the season? Would you be content to, to have all of that which you think that you want? but not have God's presence. Because that's exactly what God is saying. Fine, I'm going I'm to give you what you want. In fact, I had last week, several of you came to me afterwards and said, man, this idea about the wrath of God no longer being the way it necessarily is in the Old Testament where you see fire and brimstone like in Sodom and Gomorrah, but the wrath of God today is played out more uh, as God just leaving us to our own devices. That God just leaves us alone. I want to argue that again this week. I want that to rest upon you a little bit more this week, that God shows his wrath towards the people today by just simply allowing them to do whatever it is they want to do by leaving you alone. Romans chapter 1. I mentioned it briefly last week. Listen to it in its entirety, starting in verse 18, how God shows his wrath. It says, yes, they knew God but they wouldn't worship him as God or give him thanks. Did you hear that? We've talked about this on many occasions. I know I have a tendency to talk fast and not always let my points hammer home, but something that we talk about often here is it's God's will for us to give thanks, to say thank you to the Lord. How how much have you said thank you to the Lord in this season? Or even give him thanks, it goes on and says, they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. Oh, he's a golden calf. As a result, listen to the result, their minds became dark and confused. Now, here's the world for you, right? Here's the religious side sometimes when we think that we know God, but we don't. We claim to be wise, but instead we're utter fools. And instead of worshiping the glorious, ever-living God, they worshiped idols that looked more like mere people and birds and animals and reptiles, so God abandoned them to do whatever shameful things their hearts desired. And as a result, they did vile and degrading things with each other's bodies, 
And that is why God abandoned them to their shameful desires. You see, the worst thing that God can do as a result is for us to say, you know, I don't need a God. I don't need him in schools. I don't need to pray. I don't need the Bible. I don't need God's presence. And what God is saying is when you don't have my presence, when you don't have the presence of God, your mind naturally will, will, will move towards that which is foolish, that which seems to be more stupid than stupid. That's why if you're saved and the Holy Spirit exists in you, and by the way, if you've become a Christian, God has given you his presence inside the temple of your heart. You have God with you wherever you go. And you know the Holy Spirit is ramping up when you're able to listen to the political speech and the divisiveness that's in our nation, and you see through it, not upon it, but through it, and you can see at times you go, how is it? How many of you have said this? How can people not see what they can't see? As if we're like shocked, like can't they see how contradictory it all is? Can't they see how foolish this is? And what God would say is, no, Scripture actually says they're blind. So we walk around, we go, we get all angry. I can't believe people are acting the way the Bible told me they would act without God. (laughs) And we get frustrated and shocked and dismayed. Instead of, do you remember? Do you remember how God looked upon the crowds of the people? He looked upon CNN He looked upon some of those who were watching Fox News as a sheep without a shepherd who would guide them, who would lead them, who will love them, who will forgive them, who will serve them, who will wash their feet. But instead, in our culture, we have allowed the world to bring us to this place where we rant and we rave and we get angry. And when we do this, the gospel gets lost. The heart of God gets lost. The reason in the next portion of Scripture we're told that there's this tent of meeting that Moses would go into is because we're we're, we're getting a look of losing the presence of God. He's emphasizing this reality that the tent is going to be removed. God won't be there. You know how important presence is? Presence is, like, really, really important. One of the things that... um, so, you know, I have four kids, and, and one of them is a girl. And Jolie is unique compared to my other three boys. Okay, my other three boys, they're gremlins. Seriously, if you put water on them, they multiply. At least it seems like they multiply. They destroy things. They break things, especially our youngest, David. He's, he's, he's four years old, and he just loves to throw things. He loves to hit things. When he gets mad, he, he chucks stuff. He's just a ball of just, there's testosterone in my boys. You know what's not in my little girl? There's like no testosterone. I mean, seriously, the other day, she, she's probably watching this, so I hope not to embarrass her too much, but she came out of her room and she let me know that, that her shorts didn't match and she needed to change them. It's just different for me, right? Because I didn't grow up around girls. I've got two younger sisters, but my mom didn't have my, my oldest sister until I was 18, my next youngest sister, uh, 22 years apart from the two of us, she just got engaged last week, by the way. So <laughs> give them all the premarital counseling you can give them. You can say whatever you want. You have my permission. Um, you can threaten Wesley. It doesn't matter. I'm all right with it. I'm just kidding. Well, sort of. So one of the things that my daughter wants from me that my boys don't want from me as much They want it, but not as much as my daughter, just my presence. 
I mean, I could, be, I could be watching football, which she has no interest in. And the boys could be out on the trampoline, bouncing around, punching each other. And she'll, after a little while of that, she'll do it with them. And then she gets off the trampoline, and she just comes into my lap, and she cozies up. She just wants to sit with her dad. She has a habit. She's had it for the last couple years. Every night, somewhere between midnight and 3 a.m., she gets out of her bed. She crawls next to me. Not, not my wife, but me. And she just cuddles with me. Every single morning, no matter how tired she is, she hears me get into the shower. She knows I'm about to go to work. And she'll get up and she'll say, Daddy, hug. And she wants a hug. You want to know why? Because, because my daughter needs my presence. She needs me there. She wants me there. So do my boys. I mean, every now and then they do it differently. They don't, they don't say, you know, let me cuddle with you, but they'll say, let's play Legos together. Jonah said that to me yesterday. Let's play some Legos together. But they want me to bounce on the trampoline with them all the time. To which I reply, I don't bounce like I used to. It's a little harder for me to get on that trampoline and, and, and hang with them. But they want me there. In fact, you'll, you'll note this even, even if you can go back when you were a young child, if you can step back, that, that there's that, those moments of feeling fear and, and scared, not knowing where your parents are. I remember a babysitter one time, uh, I heard her say something to someone she was babysitting because mom and dad had left and, and they, they said, and the baby was crying, the young child was crying, and, and they're saying, the babysitter saying to the child was, remember, parents always come back. They always come back just to help calm the child. See, presence does several different things for us, several different things for our children, for those of you who are parents. Presence brings a feeling of safety. I mean, every time my boys start beating up on my daughter, where do you think she goes? And the boys know. Game over. (laughs) Presence gives us a feeling of being loved and cared for. Presence gives us a, a, a feeling of value. What we need, and I've said it before and I'm repeating it again, what we need more than anything else is the presence of God. We need Jesus in our midst. We need Jesus in our homes. We need Jesus everywhere. We need him in politics. We need him in the hospital. The gospel needs to be in all places at all times, and you're to be the representative of that. You know what also God is ultimately saying about his presence? He's letting us know and he's letting the people know real peace doesn't come from the absence of enemies. Real peace doesn't come from the plethora of money or land. Only real peace comes by being in the presence of God. I mean, if you've, if you've had anxiety in this season, and I'm sure you have, I know I have. If you've had real anxiety in this season, the solution isn't what you may think it is. The solution is the presence of God. The solution is to sit in the presence of the Lord and say, God, transcend my issues. Transcend my problems. Transcend my emotions. I mean, there's this text here in Mark chapter 8, verse 34. Jesus calls all the disciples to himself. And he says, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. He, he says there's this idea of following Jesus that is going to require some sacrifice. Forever who would save his life, he says, will lose it. And whoever loses his life for the sake of the gospel will save it. For what does it, listen carefully now, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world, but he loses his soul? What would it profit us if we gained everything that we want 
but we forfeited the presence of God. We're told that Moses had this something very unique in particular in verse 11, that, that God spoke with Moses as a friend. And then later, if you look in the text, we didn't read it this morning, Moses says, just show me your glory. And what does God do? He says, okay, I'm going to show you my glory. And he tucks Moses in a cleft of a rock. Do you remember it from the movies? Tucks him away in the rock. And God says, I'm just going to show you the, the trail into my robe, my, my backside. And we're told in chapter 34 that this is enough, enough of God's presence to actually make Moses' face shine brightly. And what happens as a result of this is Moses goes into the presence of God and he begs God, he pleads God, he says, he says, the one thing that really sets us apart, the one thing that really makes us unique, it's not that we came out of Egypt. It's not that we were once slaves and that now we're free. It's not that you're the God who made all these, these uh, plagues happen. That's not our identity. What makes us unique amongst all of the people in the nation is that you are in our midst. What makes us special is that, that the presence of God is amongst us. Jesus would say it this way in John 15, 5, you can't do anything without me. One pastor actually says this, we may not as Christians, as church leaders, we must not rely on methods, money, marketing, which by the way can all be good things, but rather on God's mighty presence to accomplish our mission. We need God's presence to reach other nations, to plant churches, to care for orphans, to parent our kids, to live as godly husbands and wives, and everything else that we do. We must have God. Perhaps the greatest problem with the church today is the attempt to do the work of God apart from the presence of God. We can get so good at doing church that the ministry becomes mechanical and mundane. We must say, Lord, we do not want to go another step without you. Indeed, what made the early church so powerful was it was God's Holy Spirit working through men. May that be true of us as well. You know what's been beautiful about the season for us as a church? All of our programs were stripped away. Yeah, you're not going to be able to do children's church the same way. Yeah, I have a season of not doing Awana. I have a season of not doing youth group. All the programs, all the outreach stuff, no VBS. We didn't do VBS this year. All the programs stripped away. And you know, you know why that's a good thing? Because it brings us back to that place. It brought us back to that place. It brought our elders back to that place where we had to beg and plead for God, would you still make church a beautiful thing without our programs? And, and not that we were leaning into our programs, not that we, in our own hearts and minds, were thinking it's our programs that make the church, but what do we have now as a church? What's left? Really, it's the gathering of the saints. It's us coming together and saying, we need you, God. And God has always been good at putting us in circumstances and situations where indeed we have to rely on him. I met with Zach Osnes this week. He mentioned a line I've used before here. You've heard it before, and I'm sure you've heard it uh, used in the wrong way. Have you ever heard that saying where someone says, God will never give you more than you can handle? Bull crap. The text in that reference is actually that God will never give you sin that you can't handle. You'll always be able to fight whatever sin comes your way. Lust, temptation, greed. But God will indeed put you in situations that you cannot handle so that you indeed have to live by faith. 
That is why so many of our early church leaders were willing to die for their faith. That's far more than they could ever handle. Even Stephen, as he cried out as he was being stoned, but he was ready because he knew, if you remember, he looked at the heavens and he saw the presence of God and he was fully ready to go home because the presence of God always overwhelms and oversaturates all of our other difficulties. You know what this means? It means you may not get what you want. You know that, right? I mean, if we're talking about the presence of God, the presence of God means you may not always get what you want, and that's totally okay. Are you okay with that? You may not get the house. You may not get the job. You may get COVID-19. You, 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 may not, you may not be able to move out of California, but do you have the presence of God? And the whole church said, amen. That's all I need. It means you may not get what you want. Number two, it means you need to have a, a long haul of faithfulness. Moses, man, he, he's faithful day in. He's faithful day out in spite of the people. And if we're gonna have God's presence, we've gotta be faithful no matter what. In fact, if you remember in Galatians, Paul tells Timothy, I'm sorry, he tells the church, don't grow weary of doing good. You know why this is important? Can I be honest with you with something? And, and, and this is happening. I'm, I'm seeing it happen with my other pastoral friends. There's a prediction that on the heels of the COVID-19 season, many pastors are going to vacate and leave the pastorate. They're going to quit. And the reason that they're saying so many pastors are going to quit is two things. Number one, the theological divide is getting wider, and the political divide is getting wider. And for many pastoral leaders, it's not sustainable. I can tell you right now, I have many pastoral friends who have already let me know they're leaving the pastorate. I have one guy I look to tremendously. He's older than I am. I love him to death. He's been pastoring a long time. He said, I've never, ever thought about quitting, but I think I might be ready to be done. On a large scale, the pastors in the United States of America are simply saying, I don't know if I can continue to lead in this season. That's a scary thought, isn't it? Who's going to step into those positions? Who's going to enter into those vacancies? And this, there's two things that I want to highlight with this in particular about the long haul of faithfulness. I don't say this for my own benefit. I don't say this to make myself feel strong and all that because I'm not. I've never felt weaker in my entire life. And if I'm honest with you, I have thought about quitting. But I'm not quitting. Especially if you, if you keep showing up, I can't go anywhere. So would you please keep coming? I need a job. <laughs> That's number one. Number two, number two, give your church leaders a tremendous amount of grace in this season. Not one pastor I've met has ever been trained to lead in a season like this. Not one. And the one thing that I have been trained in is the goodness of Jesus in the midst of suffering and hardship. And can we say that Jesus is faithful in the midst of suffering and hardship? Number three, look at verse 16, chapter 33, verse 16. What does Moses say? He pleads. He says, for how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight and I, your people? Is it not your going with us so that we are distinct with your people? He, he's saying, God, we, we want your presence. That's, that's the third thing we need to do for the presence of God. We've got to plead for it. You've got to ask for it. That's the good news. You have not because you ask not. You just need to ask for the presence of God. 
plead to see the glory of God and confess as he's doing here, God, we can't go forward without you. We can't do church without God's presence. You can, even though I'm saying, I'm not going to quit on you. I'm still here. I'm not going to leave you. Uh, the reality is you don't need me. You need Jesus. And Jesus will continue to be faithful to his church. And then all of this, we recognize that God is righteous and he is glorious and he is gracious. And then later, if you see, after, after Moses pleads, after Moses says, don't leave us, after Moses says, we can't go on without you, we can't journey on without you, in chapter 34, a big chunk of chapter 34 is God renewing his covenant with his people again. And Moses gets a whole nother new set of tablets. Remember, he threw them down in wrath, and then God says, bring new tablets forward. I will write upon them, and I will make my covenant with them. Man, can I just tell you, can we just not, can you just please for a moment be in awe of this God who has been cheated on, this God who has been gracious, but he's been abused by his people, this God who has been loving, and yet he has been completely rejected. And what is God's response once one person pleads for the presence of God to return? God says, okay, I won't kill everybody. I know that's not palatable in, uh, in America. We want to talk about the love of God. <laughs> How could God kill anybody? No, 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 you got the wrong question. Why doesn't God kill everybody? Why does he save anyone at all? Our hearts are bent on wickedness. You know what this means? It means if you are in need, God is going to be merciful and compassionate to you. If you don't measure up, God is going to be gracious to you. If you are rebellious, God is slow to anger. We see that time and time again in this book. If you are unfaithful, he will still be abounding in love and faithfulness. And he says, if you go into the next chapter, he says he's going to be faithful to generation after generation. If you are guilty, he will forgive you. If you are unrepentant, though, he says that he will be just that he will actually bring his wrath upon people. He will remove his presence from people. And so as we close this morning and we leave this place, I want you to see a couple things. Number one, I want you to leave with a heart of prayer to beg that the presence of God falls down upon his people and his church. I want you to plead and beg that God's presence would be in your home. You know what happens? This is true. I've been married now. It's coming up on 17 years. Are you listening, Lacey and Wesley? Married for 17 years. If God's presence wasn't in our home and my wife was the only source of correcting for me, we'd be in a bad place. And vice versa. I mean, for those of you married and you know that God's presence in your home, you know, every now and then you'll be walking around and God will just get you. And you'll feel conviction. And then you've got to walk over to your spouse and be like, you have to do the one thing you don't want to do. I was maybe wrong. I might have been wrong on that. No, I was wrong. And one of the best things I've done with my kids is to tell them, I'm sorry, I messed up. Please forgive me. Daddy got too carried away here. We plead for the presence of God in your home. For those of you who work in the secular environment, you go, man, all these people, they're just so anti-Jesus, anti-this and anti-that. What, what would happen if you just pleaded for God? God, would you bring your presence into that construction site? God, before I walk into this house with this client, I pray for your presence to be in this home. 
you know, does a few things. One is God's presence may just show up. And two, because you prayed for it, you will actually now be aware that God is present in that place. And then you will shine as Moses shined. Another part of the story, if you remember, Moses comes down, he's shining so bright, and the people can't handle it. Like, oh my gosh, he's been with God. Moses, Moses, put a bag over your head. And he did, because it was too much for them to handle. You remember in the New Testament where it says, oh man, these disciples were untrained, but people could tell that they had spent time with Jesus. Pray for God's presence and pray that you would shine that presence. That's number two. Shine. Can I challenge you for a moment? I hear this a lot. You know, I read my Bible, Jess, but I don't understand it. When was the last time you read a couple verses and just meditated on it for like 15 minutes? Not a whole book. Just maybe a chapter, maybe just a few verses, and you just meditated for 15 minutes. When was the last time you did that? I mean, oftentimes we, we, don't, we don't see something in Scripture because we're too impatient, and so we don't see the beauty of what's in Scripture because it's not there. In fact, some of the greatest theologians in the world would tell you that they would break up a piece of Scripture, look at every single word, and, and just meditate, even just if it was one verse, and pull out all of the, the little teeny things. I've done this before. I do it every week, to be honest with you. And, and things pop out that you never saw before. When was the last time you just spent some time quiet, sitting out on a, do a dock at the lake or at home in the backyard or wherever it is that's a good place for you and just read Scripture and meditated what does this say about God? What does this say about me? What does this say about the identity of God? What does this say about the nature of God? What does this say about the nature of man? What does this say about who I am in Christ? What does this say for the people who are not in Christ? You see, church, we need God's presence. We need him in the midst. We don't need wealth. We don't need solutions. We don't need programs. We don't need amazing leaders. We don't need the right political system. We don't need to move out of the area. We don't need a new house. You don't need a new car. You don't need a new wife. You don't need a new husband. You don't need kids. You don't need to get rid of your kids. You need the presence of Jesus. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that in this story we see that you are kind and gracious in spite of us. May this empower us to know that we can fully come into your presence and into your glory without fear of judgment or repercussion, but rather as a young child, just as my beautiful young daughter comes to me, she knows that she will not be rejected because she has come from me. May we be that same way. May we have the child's heart to run into the Abba Father's lap to have your presence amongst us. Lord, I pray for our church. I pray for our family here. I pray for those maybe even listening next door, whether they like it or not. I pray that the presence of your Holy Spirit, the very presence of God himself, would be palpable amongst us this week. May we, may we truly be aware. May this not be fluff talk. May this be something that we truly take with us today 
and into our workplace and into our families and into our environments and into the store and even on the online platform of things. May we truly, truly have your presence, Lord. And we trust you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, before we sing, for those of you who have kids, we, we're super thankful that they're here, thankful that they're able to uh, connect next door. Joe Casey wanted me uh, to let you know the, that afterwards the kids come into the playground, the teachers hang out with them for about 15 minutes or so, uh, but uh, there's some of you that have a tendency to, to just let your kids run around out there. And I'm just letting you know the teachers can't hang out there for more than about 15 minutes, so if you'd make an effort to get your kids, uh, and if not, and they're not being watched, it's because you were chatting for just a little too long, uh, but they should be safe in here. So just wanted to make you aware of that. Uh, we love you. Again, I'm just so thankful to see you here. Thankful, thankful that there are people in Truckee, California who love Jesus. Yeah? It's good news. Continue to be the light that shines in this dark place, even though so many people consider it very beautiful. We'll see you next week. Hey, friends, let's stand together. I think I was looking in your pack, and uh, maybe you can shake your head yes or no, but do you have joyful, joyful, we adore thee next? Okay, I just want to make sure that I gave you that in there because I was like, I don't know if I did. So let's join as we uh, lift our voices in thanksgiving. Joyful, joyful, we adore thee, God of glory, Lord of love, hearts unfold like flowers before thee, opening to the sun above, melt the clouds of sin and sadness, drive the dark of doubt away. Giver of immortal gladness, fill us with the light of day. All thy works, all thy works which are surround thee, earth and heaven reflect thy rays. Stars and angels sing around thee, center of unbroken praise. Field and forest, vale and mountain, flowery meadow, flashing sea, chanting bird and flowering fountain, call us to rejoice in thee. Thou art giving and forgiving, ever blessing, ever blessed. Wellspring of the joy of living, ocean depth of happy rest. Thou art Father, Christ our brother, all who live in love art. Teach us how to love each other. Lift us to the joy divine. This last verse together. Mortals. Mortals join the mighty chorus which the morning stars began. Father, love is reigning over us. Brother, love binds man to man. 
ever singing march we onward victors in the midst of strife joyful music lifts us onward in the triumph song of life i think this next song you do not have in your packet victory in jesus you have that too Oh, man, I did something right this week. Praise the Lord. <laughs> All right, let's sing this together. I heard an old, old story How the Savior came from glory How he gave his life on Calvary To save a wretch like me I heard about his groaning of his precious blood's atonement. Then I repented of my sins and won the victory. Here we go, church. Oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He saw me and bought me with his redeeming blood. He loved me ere I knew him, and all my love is to him. He plunged me to victory beneath the cleansing flood. About his healing, I heard about his healing, of his cleansing power revealed. to walk again and cause the blind to see and then I cried dear Jesus come and heal my broken spirit and somehow Jesus came and brought to me the victory oh victory in Jesus my Savior forever. He saw me and bought me with his redeeming blood. He loved me ere I knew him, and all my love is to him. He plunged me to victory beneath the cleansing flood. Oh, victory! Oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me and bought me with his redeeming blood. He loved me ere I knew him, and all my love is due him. And plunged me to victory beneath the cleansing flood. Lord, we thank you for your precious blood. It covers the multitude of sins. And Lord, as we leave this place, may we go in your victory, knowing, Lord, that you have conquered death. You have conquered our sin. You have given us power and victory over this life, Lord. May we walk in your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, folks. We'll see you uh, next week. Take care. God bless.